welcome to the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast with co-founders and hosts, Tracy Callahan and Deborah Doak. Each week, we tackle another tough topic to help professional divorce coaches maximize client impact and cultivate thriving practices. We also want to spread the word about the expertise and value that certified divorce coaches bring to the table. At DCA, we are committed to ongoing learning and we value generosity among divorce coaching professionals. We believe that when one succeeds, we all succeed. Welcome back to Divorce Coaches Academy. I am so happy to be here with Deborah. And today we are talking about a very, very serious subject that we see all the time, right? You are not the boss of me, helping clients hold on to their power, not punting decision-making to others, right? This is when we often see clients who are engaging with other divorce professionals and whether that be an attorney or a CDFA or other financial planners, et cetera, where they're basically kind of transferring all of their power and decision-making over to others. And we know what happens in that process. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't end up so well, Deb. No, it really doesn't. And I, this is so timely because Tracy and I were talking, we have both had client experiences over the past couple of weeks where this has just become such an issue for our clients being almost railroaded. I'm going to use that word. Yeah. I where, think, I think that's know, a fair word. No, tell me, you <laughs> sure. know, this thing is happening or that thing is happening. And I will ask that question. Tell me how did, how did that, what's the purpose of that? Why are you doing that? Well, I don't know. My attorney told me. So yeah. it's exploring with them, right? This idea that they are in charge of their own process. And that includes being in charge of what their attorney is doing for them and making sure that they understand. Absolutely. Right. And and I have just had several of these this week. Mm-hmm. And and a, a couple things. I mean, number one, we we know, and I've talked about this before, I think there was a lawyers.com survey that was done that said. Only about four out of 10 of respondents were satisfied with their attorney, right? That's an F minus in any customer service (laughs) environment. That is absolutely not a good uh, outcome, for sure. It's not a good outcome. But I think what we need to do is, is dig under that and why were they not satisfied? Yeah. And and I don't I don't want to go totally dark on this. I really no. don't. There's no. There's it is it's advocating. It's absolutely it's, advocate their responsibility and their decision making. And so then at the end they look back and say, well, that's not what I wanted. My right. attorney didn't do what I wanted. Right. Or I didn't know what they were I, doing, and I didn't. I wasn't part of that decision making process. Decisions were being made for me. For me, but but whose responsibility is that if yeah. your kitchen contractor, yeah. right? Let's go back to the remodeling, you know, yeah, thing, that. example that we've used that, before. Yeah, yeah right? it's a perfect example. Yeah. Your electrician doesn't decide where the outlets go in your kitchen. The yeah. the tile person doesn't pick out your backsplash tile for you. You yeah. do it. 
you tell them, do I want it in herringbone or do I want the brick stack? Do I want the plain white subway tile? You're in charge of that decision-making and then they execute your decisions. Yeah. These professionals that our clients hire in divorce, it should be the same situation. And yet we consistently see something different and they come into their new kitchen and the outlets aren't where they want them. And then they're pissed off. Very pissed off, right? This is when we see clients or individuals talking about their divorce that happened years and years ago, because the outcome is, is if they weren't involved and they are angry and frustrated, they carry a lot of regret and resentment. Yes. How, how am I here? And they just can't move through that process. And that's what happens when the power is taken away or they hand it over. And I get it, right? I absolutely get it. We work with clients all the time. They don't know what they don't know, right? And they're scared, right? And we know fear is an underlying process that happens throughout divorce. But as we always say, right? Fears are really questions waiting to be answered. So how do we as divorce coaches and in our role and supporting clients and sort of working through some of that fear and Mm -hmm. helping them find their voice, right? That's the, that's where they have to come in. The, what is happening, right? Right. Why is it happening? What is it that I want? How do I communicate that effectively to my divorce professional? Again, whether that is their attorney, who's giving them legal advice in terms of, the the ability of them to successfully this happens in batna right mm-hmm. one of the things let's take client sally right yep. sally is in the process of going into a, a mediation she's in a mediation state they've been going back and forth on this got uh court ordered to mediation for sally To really be able to engage in some proposal development, Sally's sitting there going, well, I have all these questions. And the questions relate to her BATNA. Mm -hmm. If I was to, if we were unable to get to- Will you describe uh, what, will you say what BATNA is just for people that aren't familiar with that? Yes. For you divorce coaches, BATNA is your best alternative to a negotiated agreement. And we talk about lots of different forms of BATNA best of worst options, but let's talk about BATNA specifically. Okay. So the client is in a position now is they, to be able to, one of the powers in negotiation is for you to understand your best alternative to a negotiated agreement. Part of understanding what your best alternative to a negotiated agreement is, is to be able to be very clear in terms of your work with your attorney, if there's an attorney involved, in terms of if this case was to go to trial, mm-hmm. what what what's my likelihood of getting the outcome that I want? What is needed to be able to accomplish that outcome? How do the state laws and statutes apply to my case mm-hmm. if I was unable to get to a negotiated agreement? If the likelihood of getting a ruling, right, is not necessarily in your favor, right, you then need to understand that you need to maybe be a little more flexible in your thought process and getting to a negotiated agreement. But the challenge here, so Sally, right, Sally has all of these questions 
for her attorney, right? What's the likelihood of getting spousal support beyond half the years of the marriage, right? I've been married for 12 years. What's the likelihood that I could get a ruling for more than six years? Because she wants to negotiate for more than six years. She's older, right? She's a a 60-year-old mom who actually was a mom later in life. So she has a middle school child. Her ability to work is she's been out of the workforce for a little bit. The chances of her getting a really high paying job is not in the best lane right now. So, but when she goes to ask these questions, right, she has to be clear, right, in understanding how to formulate those questions. What do I need to ask? What do I need to know in Mm -hmm. using that professional appropriately? When that professional then does not provide that guidance or or does not answer those questions, the client is left in a very, very difficult position. The client, Sally, doesn't feel empowered to be able to ask those questions. She's sort of like on the sidelines, quietly hoping, right? right. And hope is not a strategy, but quietly hoping that that attorney is going to be able to support her in this process without really understanding the process involved. The process involved. Yeah. You know, we were talking through, you know, another example where someone has hired an attorney and the attorney says, okay, here's the mediator we're going to use. And your first session is scheduled for X. I'll tell you about a recent example. Meeting with a client, she says, Well, you know, my attorney and his attorney met with the mediator last week. Crazy. My client had no input in choosing the mediator. She hadn't met with the mediator. The attorneys did. And she said, I've got an appointment with the mediator next week. My attorney and I are going to meet with the mediator next week for, you know, my first like introductory meeting. Mm. And I'm thinking, hmm. Okay. So first of all, red flags are going all over the place, right? (laughs) I am, I am digging my nails into my hand underneath my desk, trying to stay in the coaching zone, wanting to say what the F, um, right. So, yes, yeah. you know, then we're asking, well, you know, what kind of mediation process are you looking for? Asking all these questions and asking, why is your attorney accompanying you? Yeah. This is an introductory meeting for you to meet the mediator, for you to understand the process. Your attorney understands the process of mediation. What what role are they going to play? And this mediator, do you know are your mediation sessions going to be 90 minutes? Is it going to be an all-day thing? Who is this mediator? Have you, you know, all these things and this is it is just steamrolled and it's happening. Yeah. And the attorneys have already met with the mediator and argued their cases. It, it really is no longer mediation. It's no longer mediation. It's really not mediation at this point. So, you know, we walked all the way through and she's going to back it up. Mm-hmm. Right. We talked about taking her power back mm-hmm. to say to her attorney, I think I'm going to go to this meeting by myself. Yeah. I think I'm going to reach out to my husband and say, how would you feel about trying the first or or one or two mediation sessions without our attorneys. Yes. And that's a choice, right? We're going to walk it back, right? Because <laughs> we, ta- we talked it through. But this is just an example of yeah. 
And I think people do it. I think you're right. Like for a valid reason, they're afraid. They think that hire, this is that cultural norm, that paradigm of I'm going to hire an attorney, pay my retainer. They'll be my knight in shining armor. Yeah. They'll protect me. They'll protect me if I just do what they say. Mm -hmm. But this person is going to be through their $7,500 retainer before their first mediation session. Yeah. Yeah. And nothing will have happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think you brought, bring up such a valid point, Deb, in terms of clients not understanding they have the choice mm-hmm. right? to, to be able to say to their attorneys. And I think it's awesome that you, you know, she made the decision to reach out to her husband because often we'll see, right. Clients can say, you know what? I think we've got this parenting thing. I think our, our issues are really going to be when it comes to spousal support and figuring out some of the financial matters. So why don't, why don't we take a stab at mediation without you guys, the attorneys and just, yeah spouse to spouse with mediator and work through some of the details of this, get through that. And then we'll pull you in as needed. As needed. When we hit an impasse, right. When when we, when we get to the point where we need to understand batness, when we, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is the miss, this misunderstanding about mediation. Right. And I think I'm not going to beat up attorneys on this, but one of the problems we often see is that the this role of the mediator, which in other situations does occur, right? In business dealings and bankruptcy, uh, there's high attorney involvement in mediation processes. In family, when we are talking about families, people with children, people with these relationships that have to continue to move forward. They are applying this very different model uh, on top of this very sensitive situation. So Mm -hmm. attorney to attorney, you don't need a mediator to engage in an attorney to attorney negotiation, right? right? So if those attorneys right? If they were representing business A and business B and those attorneys were going back and forth, there was no relationship here. It was really a business transaction and there was a conflict and the mediator was supporting that. That's one model, right? But in in family mediation, it is supposed to be about the parties. Self-directed. Self-directed, self-determined, self-actualized, voluntary, Those are the principles of mediation in ADR processes with families and divorce. And the the beauty of mediate, one of the most beautiful things about alternative dispute resolution processes is the fact that we are not constrained by the law. And so one of the things that happens when, and I talk to clients about this, is when we bring attorneys in. And and again, I'm not bashing them. I think they're so helpful and we need them. Yeah. But they limit the view because they are focused on the statutes. They're focused on the law. They're focused on what you're entitled to. Yes. And as opposed to, Hey, we can color outside the lines all we want. 
Yeah, it's very black and white, right? And that's what the limitation of the court system is. What it's positional bargaining, exactly, as opposed to interest-based negotiation. Absolutely, absolutely. And when attorneys go law to law, statute to statute, and there's a mediator facilitating statute to statute, that is not mediation. Correct. And and we see this sometimes in parenting plans when attorneys get involved in parenting plans. Exactly that. It's very black and white, but they need that couple, that family needs lots of shades of gray. So maybe that attorney doesn't think drop offs and exchanges times is important right? Oh yeah. Okay. Fine. Just do school drop-offs. Well, what if something specific to the party and if their issue and concern is, is, Hey, you know, I I'm willing to do after school pickups, even if it's in your time sharing, let's talk about what that might look like. They don't necessarily get the opportunity to do it when the attorneys are sitting there holding this process to very these very modeled parenting plans, these broad general scope. And and I just had a client who said to attorney, listen, I need to, I want some detail on this. We are not even close on the parenting plan. There's lots of things to talk about. The attorney told my client Right, who was prepared with her full kind of issues and proposals and parenting plan and identified interests and needs of the children. Her attorney said to her, I, I don't think you should do that because you're going to get you're going to push this and you're not going to get what you want. And she said, well, why? Why can't we have the conversation? If they mm-hmm. push back, then I'm willing to to discuss it. But I don't even know if there's going to be pushback. So why would and she said. The attorney said to her, well, go with this. And then if you have any problems moving forward, then you just go back to court. Right. Right. Which, again, is exactly what we try to prevent in mediative processes and detailed parenting plans is to keep the clients out of conflict and litigated processes moving forward. And frankly, the court's going to send them back to mediation anyway. Yeah. So. We've talked about, you know, all the all the ways this can really get our clients in trouble, mm-hmm. create regrets, create yeah. um, resentment, make the the recovery after divorce more difficult, Absolutely. complicate the co-parenting relationship. Let's in the few minutes we have left, let's talk about how as coaches, we can work with our clients to help them hold on to that power. Yeah. What are some coaching things we can do Tracy with clients? Yeah. Well, I think explore that when, yeah. when we hear Self-discover. and see those red flags, exactly. Like I was clenching my fists. <laughs> yes. Well, I think the first thing is really addend- helping the client identify what those fears are. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if we believe that this process starts with fears, right, that then there's this fear that I don't have enough information or I don't have the the experience or the understanding to move forward with this. So therefore, I'm going to hire X, Y and Z. Right. I think the first step as coaches is we can help explore what are those fears, mm-hmm. right? Is it a fear that you don't understand what your choices are? that there you need to explore the various processes that 
are available to you? Is it that you're afraid that you have financial concerns? What are those fears, right? First, helping the client be able to identify the fears, right? Then we can do some reality testing around those fears. We can talk about, well, what is it that you need to know? How could we get that information? What questions might you ask? Who might be able to answer those questions for you, Mm -hmm. right? So first in sort of that identification, the next thing is, is that that's the what, right? What is, what is the concern? What is the barrier? Then it's the why, why do I need to know that, right? How is this person that I might be looking for? What is my expectation? Why do I need to understand this process. And then once, right, we've got the sort of the fears and the whys, and we've identified the professionals in doing it, the next step is is that support in finding some agency, being able to develop that voice. And and again, right, it's, it's supporting our clients and not falling prey to to people who might be taking, and again, not intentionally, but taking advantage of somebody, right? Professionals come in, I got this, I know what to do. And the clients left like, okay, right? How do we, how do we change that? And one of the things that we do is education, provide information and that mm-hmm. exploration for the client to be able to say, okay, This is my goal. How do I address my fears, my wants, my needs Mm -hmm. in a manner that is consistent with holding on to that power? Onto that power. And and when we hear these situations, right, it's asking a lot of, again, those open-ended questions Mm. to help the client create their own awareness of when we ask why. Right. And again, we always have to be careful with the why questions that they don't come across as judgment. Correct. um, So help me understand what this meeting with the mediator is for and why your attorney's coming along with you. Mm -hmm. Right. So helping them clarify, right, what it is they're they're looking for and whether or not this strategy that's been proposed or this action step that's been proposed or this thing that's happening to them right now. Yeah. That they could evaluate it is what they want, right? That they can evaluate it and and be able to, they can reflect and assess. Absolutely. I was just going to say reflect and assess, right? The reflect and assess cycle. Yeah. Is this, is this, yeah. Is this what I want? Is this meeting my goals? Is this, and, and we always go back and talk to the divorce budget. Is this a good use of my money? Yeah. Is this a good use of my money? If my attorney is $700 an hour in California, Mm -hmm. is it worth $700 to have my attorney sit in on a meeting where they don't add value? Yeah. No, it's not. No. I'm not going to tell my client that, but I can help them. Explore you can, that. Absolutely. Right? We can help explore that and also being able to give them the confidence, right? The the fear is so strong, right? The fear yeah. of, I, I mean, I also hear this. I don't want to piss my attorney off. 
Right. Oh, okay. Okay. It, it honestly, it breaks my heart when I hear it because these yeah. are often people who are often coming off relationships where there was some power imbalances. Yeah. And now they're transferring those power imbalances over to their attorneys or other professionals who are making decisions. So a lot of that that we could do is supporting clients. In leveling mm-hmm. that for them, helping them find their voice, helping them find their agency, helping them be clear in their thought processes as to what right. is it they want. Is it consistent with their values? Is it resonate with their budget and resources? Yeah. Right? And, 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 and helping them. These are people that may not have good. They may be avoidant. Mm-hmm. They don't like conflict. They're afraid mm-hmm. of it. They, they don't have good skills. Mm-hmm. right? I don't want to piss them off. Great. So one of the things that we can do, and then I know we have to wrap up, but is help them script that. Absolutely. They don't have the words. They don't know how to be assertive in that situation. They are used to throwing in the towel, giving in, not speaking up, or they hold it in so long that then when it comes out, it's like lava. Yeah. And they haven't found that balance where you can just stand in your personal power. And ask for what you need. Yes. Yes. And we honor that space for our clients. And and we help them yeah. with language. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what would you like to say? Yeah. Okay. Well, how would this feel? Right. And we can sometimes give them those words because this is new skill development for them. Yeah. So. And, 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 and I'm just, I know we're wrapping, but this is part of the conflict. We could talk, we could talk for two hours. This we'll is, have to have another, right. We'll have to this do is another episode. the part of conflict management and oh. conflict resolution, right? We right. know that effective communication, whether that be with your spouse or whether that be with your professionals, your attorneys is a mm-hmm. skill you can develop. So if yeah. your conflict style has typically been avoidant, Right. To be able to find the voice and the skills Mm -hmm. to be able to engage in a more assertive process and communication. That's respectful. Right. It's respectful. Yeah. Not disrespectful. Right. So I know we're going to wrap up. I'm going to leave you with this. Help me understand. It's my favorite confrontational phrase. Mm. I love it. Help, Help me understand. It's my favorite way to say I don't like what you're doing. I don't like what you're saying. I disagree. Help me understand yeah. what our goal is for this or what the purpose is for this or why you would say that, right? So I'm going to leave you with that. I know we could talk about this for a really long time. It's something that um, Tracy and I see a lot and it it bothers us. And so we really want coaches to know that this is really an important role that you play with your clients is helping them take their voice back, take their power back, have some agency, um, because it really is going to, it's baggage they're going to drag into their new life. And that's not fair. Divorce is, it can be traumatic enough, yeah. but at least we want it to be over when it's over. So thanks for joining us this week for the podcast. And we hope you'll tune in next week when who knows what we'll talk about. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the Divorce Coaches Academy podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. It helps other divorce professionals find us and add to the conversation. And don't forget to follow us on social media 
to be the first to know when we add new classes and events. We'll be back next week with another topic to help you maximize client impact, create a thriving business, and promote the value of professional divorce coaching.